Good morning. This is Coffee with the Sarlows, and I'm Karen. Good morning. I'm Kelly. I feel like I slurred that out of my mouth, did I? I'm not sure. <laughs> okay. Maybe maybe I'm in a time warp, and I'm hearing things a little... Delayed. Delayed. Yeah. Today's topic has to do with a client's story again, and um, it's, a, it's a pattern that I'm I'm seeing in a lot of sessions, especially in the last, well, you might say it goes right back to the beginning of time, but this is how it began. A lady, a female client came in and sat down and said, open session. And I said, are you sure? Because sometimes when you say open, you don't get what you want. You get what you need, but you don't get what you want. And she said, no, just, just go. I'm just going to sit here and listen to what comes through. And I said, well, the first thing that I have is your dad. And she said, well, that suits me fine, because that would be one of the things that I would like on my list. And I said, a little bit about his character and a little bit about how he passed for her. And then he turned it really quickly. It was almost like Kelly, he just gave a couple of affirmations to say, I had brown hair. I, um, he liked wearing his um, jeans with holes in them. And if they didn't have holes, he'd cut a little hole in it, mm-hmm. poke his finger through it, and laugh and giggle that he was poking holes in the jeans. Mm-hmm. And he'd poke them like in the bum. Like, is, that's weird. Yep. And anyhow. So, but it was something that he did. So it was significant to her that that yeah, was her me. dad. Yeah. <laughs> and she said he did it even when she was a kid. That he'd poke holes in t-shirts and stuff and make them holy. And joke about that. And religion. Anyway, getting to the story of what he really wanted to say to her that day after, yeah, it's dad. He came through and said that he always did things and said things to her that had a little bit of an edge. He was far meaner outright to her mother. Very kind to other people, like business people or work or friends. He had friend groups and stuff. But that he worded things in such a way that she f- she was being criticized. Mm-hmm. And he gave some examples. But he's like, and just one that comes to mind is like when she'd come in the door and she'd be excited uh, to put something up on the fridge or her mom would put something up on the fridge if she drew something or, or a paper. I don't know. There was a variety of things. It could even be something where she just felt good about that she did something in sports or music and that she learned to play a piece or she got an A on piano, like this type of thing. And he would say, he would say something like, oh, look at you thinking you're all good about yourself, eh? Mm-hmm. Huh? And he'd laugh, but it, it was to make sure he took her off a pedestal. And, and he thought it was a pedestal, but for her, it was just that we Self-esteem. do. Yeah, that we just do these things. We play piano because it does build self-esteem. And we and our music teachers, <laughs> that's why they want to teach it. There is a love of music, but they also know what it's doing for the person when they, when they succeed. And he was there to make sure that each time somebody built her up or helped her build herself up, that he just made sure she couldn't stay there. Mm-hmm. And so what happened during the session is that he came in and said that he was sorry for this and that he was taking responsibility. Now he's dead. 
we have a dead man taking responsibility for shitty parenting. Some therapists might say woohoo or whatever, like yay, because that's, what's the expression? Better late than never? Yeah. Right to the point of that they... that the deceased themselves are apologizing Mm -hmm. that it's not role-playing or that you're not laying in bed wishing that you could hear it or wondering if they could ever even get there but then he went in to explain that this led to her hypersensitivity to criticism of course and she sat back and she went ah shit because in that little moment when she hit her oh shit Somebody put like a term to her behavior. Mm -hmm. They put a term to feelings that she gets often in a day that make her feel bad about herself. But she really couldn't define it as this self-criticism or where it came from. Why she would behave that way, think that way and feel that way. And what it was doing currently in her marriage. Mm -hmm. Where you know her her current partner her husband would try and say something to her and he never could tell from one day to the next one minute to the next whether she was going to be okay with that or whether it was going to be enough to upset her and make her angry and lash out or her favorite thing of all to get quiet her favorite thing was to go within and shut down and be very very silent or protective yeah and try to figure out how to come back out of it and that's where her head would spin that's where her anxiety grew that's where her toolbox or her toolkit of things looked empty and it was just to sit there and that sit there stand there be there watch tv there sit in a bar there sit at a restaurant there talk to a co-worker there there's so many little things where we get frozen in that moment mm-hmm you know, it, and it doesn't all look the same. It can be standing, you know, in Home Depot and you freeze. <laughs> it, it comes at the, it comes at any time. And this is the importance of it. You don't know when it's hitting you. And because you never know if it's going to be in Home Depot or all these different places, church, like all these different things, sitting in the car, going for a drive, in the middle of sex, all these different little places where you think you're safe in a moment, you don't feel safe. And because it gets taken away from you repeatedly because of this hypersensitivity to criticism, there's a feeling of never being safe for a single moment of your life. Clench the vaginal walls. Clench the back. Clenching the legs. Clench and so on and so on. We get a social anxiety and a paralysis. Yeah. Kel, can you talk a bit more about the paralysis? Can you, you said a really good word there, but somebody might have heard it and not understood it. So it's it's to be paralyzed, to not be able to move, to not be able to think or express. There's a ton of feeling in it, but it's um, almost like an over an overload of, of feelings. So the same way that you can walk into, let's say, Times Square in New York City and understand sensory overload because everything's so visual and auditory, there's a feeling overload when you have a paralysis like you're talking about, 
where we don't know what's the right emotion, which one's protecting us, which one is bringing something to our attention, and so we withdraw because we don't want to feel any of them. We long to feel safe, but we don't know what's going to bring that about, so we be quiet, we shut down. Uh, There's a lot of different behaviors that you apparently were pointing out to this young woman. And it, it can also be a paralysis to start anything. So it can be the paralysis in the middle of a situation or a conversation, but it can also be a paralysis to start a project, to find a new job, to create a business, to begin a relationship, to end a relationship. There's, there's, uh, we don't want to, we don't want to make any sudden movements, if if you can put it that way. I understand that in terms of being paralyzed and not knowing how it began. Mm -hmm. Not knowing that as a child, as being raised a people pleaser, that you become super sensitive, oversensitive to being criticized. So at all costs, you're trying to figure out everybody else's needs and how to meet them in all circumstances. So that's a shit ton of control that you want. Mm -hmm. Not realizing that it's control that you want. Because you're so aware of your own fear. Right. So you focus on your feeling of fear instead of your feeling that I need to have control. Yeah, I was just going to add that because I want to bring awareness to the type of comments that are being made. No matter how good of a job she did, she was made to feel like she wasn't enough. And then if she did an excellent job, it was too flashy, too showy. Don't you think you're too good? So there, there's, it's a Goldilocks situation. You can't ever do the right thing. There's never, there's never um, a safe ground essentially. Because if I make, if I'm, if I'm too good, if I'm better than, and people perceive me that way, then I haven't been a good girl. I'm, I'm too snobby. There's all kinds of words that you can label, and then the not enough. I think everyone understands. And so there's a feeling of don't try, don't be seen, don't be heard, don't be noticed because then I can't be criticized. Give everybody else what they need. Make sure you don't meet your own needs. Don't speak up about what yours are. Sit and suffer. There's so much in all of that that is just just a heap of pain. Yeah, because the things where the comments originated from where you're saying where it comes from a father they can be hurtful they can be mean and yet later on in life when you're with a partner or friends those same comments can be done in in true uh, humor and true laughter with just an intention to poke fun and not have any substance but because there's such a huge root inside of us with this pain the real joke is no longer funny and our friends and those those current people can't understand why we are paralyzed or shattered at a funny comment Mm -hmm. and that's where good communication has to come in to be able to say to a good friend a good I won't say a good partner or a good husband but I mean a partner in any way business-wise, personal-wise, that you might sit down and have that kind of conversation and be able to talk it out with them. Especially if you're living with somebody that you say, I'm hypersensitive to criticism. Uh, This is why, this is the things that were said. This is what I'm working on. And 
discuss that so that they understand it so that if you're if all of a sudden they say something and they do hit one of your buttons that you're able to say that triggered me and I have to sit in it not just I'm going to get paralyzed again but I'm going to come back and I'm going to ask you questions about what you said so I can understand it did you mean it to hurt me did you and then you can ask the questions so he came through in that session not just to say what he did but I thought that was fantastic that he apologized that he took responsibility for the injury that he was sorry for for what he did there was remorse and there was a true sense or energy there that he wanted better for her and her life that he he wanted to be part of solving it instead of just saying yeah I'm sorry about that yeah and that's all he can give you he wanted to give her more. He wanted to say, when you do this, this the, here's a tool. This is what you can do. This is what I think is interesting, because even after all these years, we still get lots of questions about whether or not coming to see a medium can set us back in our grief. Mm, and I can, underst- I can understand where people ask the question, because if they think they've just moved on and thought, dad's dead, <laughs> you know, no one's criticizing me anymore the way he did. So I can just move on and get over it. Oh, but you're but paralyzed. I, you can't get out of a, but a job. But if I come back and I hear from him and he apologizes to me, what if that makes me grieve all over again? Mm. But people don't understand the second part of what you're talking about where there's a tool. Yeah. There's there's an option to implement different things into your life so that you can face it head on and be empowered. So you can have better conversations with the people that are in your life now. Well, and I think too, you can unclench those muscles. You, you, you might have, he might have died, but you might not have stopped clenching. He might have died, but you can't quit the job or you can't apply for a new one and you want out. It might be that you can't figure out that they're related. Yeah. And so... You're stuck in something and not understanding the the origin of the stuck. And as you said, the tools to move forward with it. But all of the pieces that come with that apology. Because that breaks down into so many different aspects of the muscles, where it is in the body, the injury, the illness, the thought patterns in the brain, the relationships that you're currently in and what you're doing in them. There's a, There's a lot there. Yeah, and I think one of the things people don't necessarily think about is the paralysis to have your own life because when we venture off and have our own hobbies or our own interests, we rarely don't, or sorry, pardon me, we rarely want to share them with other people, even in a talking or narrative experience. They don't have to be in the class with us or in the sport with us. We don't even want to discuss our experience because, again, we don't want to be criticized. We don't want to talk about it the wrong way. We don't want to be asked the wrong question that talks about our performance. There's a fear to share anything. Mm -hmm. So even while we're fighting and struggling to become our own person, Mm -hmm. in spite of these comments or in spite of this, this root or this injury that we're talking about, we still can't move forward. Yeah. And and there becomes a feeling of isolation, even for the people who are lovely in our lives and are asking just because they're interested, just because mm-hmm. they're curious or because they want to have an opportunity to celebrate you. We end up isolating ourselves physically and emotionally for fear of criticism. Right. We shut down receiving. 
in all kinds of ways. And I think this is where, and I know this is going to sound very general, but we end up becoming very addicted to different kinds of things, but they all have the same type of outlet, which is an escape. And so we can become an addict to TV where we mm. want to enter into someone else's world, right? And so we watch series after series where we live in someone else's life. Or we become avid readers where every single, you know, spare minute is picking up a book, getting into a different world that isn't ours, where we can examine and be mystified or enchanted or judge it instead of feeling like ours is. Mm-hmm. There, it develops a different kind of addictive behavior. Mm-hmm. Even if it's not a substance, it can be the, the addiction to the escape. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we may not understand why we have obsessive um, creativity. We might not understand why we have obsessive compulsive thoughts or obsessive behaviors, you know, cleaning, shopping, all kinds of things. But there's an addict personality that, that develops when we have paralysis. And it usually... Oh, say that again. Um, we develop we- an addict personality when we have paralysis and and those addictions help us avoid the thing that we think we need to avoid. Mm -hmm. I love all the comments you've said (laughs) and I loved how he came in in what she called an open session to bring her awareness because one of the things was that I saw within her was awareness that she got that day. It was a dad coming in with an apology. But if people are really listening to this, she wasn't even aware of her own paralysis. She wasn't even aware of what he truly did. How it affected her, how it affected her whole life. Some people think that if you if someone passes away and you just don't talk about them anymore, or you just that's moving on. Or if you just go ahead and get a job and get married and have kids and do things, you've moved on. So it, it can look like you've moved on, but deep down you didn't. And that's reflective of how you, in how you feel and in the decisions you make and in the relationships, the quality of them. Her dad also commented after all of that, that uh, about her children and how she was trying to be the opposite of him in some ways without realizing it. And that she would not criticize her children. She would not constructively make comments to them. She did not want her partner, her husband, to say anything to them that wasn't 100% positive. So the way they were parenting was not realistic. Oh, ironically, you still, your kids don't get the tools that you also missed out on. Oh, yeah. So everything had to be that they did a good job. It was excellent. It was it was outstanding. It was the best. Everything was no matter if they if they were or weren't. It was they lied, flat out they lied. They but she thought it was the right thing to do, not to criticize. So instead of just pointing out or or making a comment or asking her kids a question, did you enjoy swim class, or what did you like about swim class, or what did you learn today, or what did you enjoy about being with your friends? at swim class everything had to be you did great everything had to be over the top Mm -hmm. instead and and instead of just reality or instead of good questions just to engage in a conversation with her child about their experience she came from it I can't even ask them questions 
because I don't know what to do if they make a negative response like I didn't enjoy class or I hate my teacher. She didn't want, she didn't want to go anywhere negative. So everything had to be buffered by if I control the conversation and say, good job, honey, I'm keeping control. And she just sat there and she went, Jesus, that is so me. I do have to say things right off the bat. And if my husband says one thing, I rip into him and say that he's being mean. And he's always trying to say, no, it's not mean. I'm telling her she's not the best swimmer in the class. That's okay. Does she enjoy it? So he was trying to give his daughter tools. And she didn't, she was actually doing the exact opposite by trying to take them away from her spouse. So she actually was engaging in fighting with her spouse on a regular basis over the kids. But it was to keep her kids bubbled in an opposite reality. He, I think this dad did an absolutely wonderful job of not pointing that out to her as a criticism, but saying to her that there was a middle ground of reality. Well, and, and like you said, this is how I affected you. Yeah. You Then it's not a criticism. It's this was a cause and effect. And you still, you can, you can still change that, that equation. Yeah. And this is where this happened, like in the first 15 minutes of her session and the last 15 minutes of her half hour was really positive. It was really okay. She was so, she was so appreciative of the apology. She took it. She was so appreciative of the acknowledgement of the, of the comments from her dad. Um, But also the fact that here he was saying, how do we go forward together? How do we go forward I'm passed over, you're on earth, but I'm still with you and I still see what you're struggling with. What can I do now to change that? So can I teach you and can I give you ways to ask questions instead of statements so that you stay in your bubbled reality of no criticisms? Mm -hmm. Can you be curious and ask questions? Can you be playful? Can you see that if things don't go well, you can be okay with somebody being upset and sad but they can get, they're going to get over that. Can you give them time to get over that? Can you let them make decisions around that? He asked her such good questions and she voice recorded. So she was writing down these questions. So to me, it's like he opened a door for her for other possibilities and he helped her find them. And I think that was really cool that the dad that destroyed all of that was also the dad that was creating another life for her and her husband, another relationship. And probably one that that husband is going to appreciate far more mm-hmm. than than the current person where he's not allowed to say anything that's actually a reality. Well, there's room for him in the relationship now. Yeah. Yeah, there's room for him as a parent as well. And that's interesting, eh? Because, you know, I, I would imagine that she didn't think for a moment that she had pushed her husband out of the, the, the role of a parent. She probably saw him as the other per the other partner the other half of the parenting but she really wasn't giving it to him mm-hmm. out of all of those fears creating all of those controls yeah that, I, that, that's all I have to share about that half hour session where she just came in and said open and, and got her father and all of the wonderful things that he was able to do with her that day and you know what, maybe, maybe she'll come back and maybe a year or whatever down the road, we'll hear from her and there'll be another podcast because 
I look forward to when those clients return and say what they did or want to work further with it or want to go back and say, I want to talk to dad again. I want to say what I've done. I want to know if he's seen this. Like there's excitement in that. Yeah, in, in the idea of progressing and there's, movement. Ah, oh, yeah. I feel like this is the time in the podcast where everyone goes, oh, it's about that time they're going to start referring to books now. <laughs> and and I think it's good because yeah. it, there's still resources because yeah. not all of you have lost your parents. Some of them are still here to confront. Some of them st- may be at a point where they can apologize and take personal responsibility. And some of you are in the same boat where maybe you don't want to seek a medium just yet, but you want tools. And yeah. that's always possible. And we talk a lot about Susan Forward, who just was on the show last week, and her book called Toxic Parents. She's also got toxic in-laws. So if you're the husband in this situation, that's a great place to start. And Mothers Who Can't Love, which, I mean, you can substitute mothers and fathers in a lot of different situations because they're human characteristics and qualities. Then mm-hmm. there's emotional blackmail. That's mm-hmm. just all from one author. You've also got options with the nice girl syndrome, codependent no more. They're all all books that you can pick up and have little tools so that you can implement, like like the father was mm-hmm. saying, asking better questions, having better conversations. Nice girl syndrome is Beverly Angel, and she will be coming on to do a podcast as well about her book. And what was the other book? Codependent book? no more by Melody Beattie. Right, and we're trying to get her, but she's on a break from doing podcasts so maybe in a year or two down the road we can catch melody awesome thanks for sharing yeah um i'm happy to share this one it it might well you know when somebody listens to it they may think wow heavy shit and that that was say that every week yeah that was a hard listen this morning but oh my goodness if you are the person who was criticized who was put down by the teacher, by by anybody. There's all different, and, and I don't just mean teachers. I, was, I want a nap after this podcast. Yeah, it will. And, and oh, it's good that you said that because maybe people will think, wow, I, I need to go back and have a nap. I need to get out and go for a walk. I have to process this somehow. Uh, I need to re-listen to it again to hear a certain sentence or a certain piece or take out pen and paper and work on it or send it off to somebody and say, could you listen to this? I need to talk about it. Yeah, or just to take a moment and allow yourself to be angry because now you understand where so much sadness and paralysis has come from. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you just need a moment to feel Mm -hmm. and that's okay too. Yeah, and if if you're the person who does this to other people, who likes to take others off you know, down, say you you think you should take them off their little pedestal and that's your job, it's not your job. For whatever reason in your your own problems, maybe you need to hear it's not okay, the damage that you're doing to another person. And that the spirit world knows this all through your life and when you're dead. You don't get to run from it. You don't get to run from the abuse that you cause to another person. You're hearing the dad on the other side as a dead man still has to deal with his shit. Just something to think about this Saturday morning. If you have questions or comments about today's show, you can email us at info at and we will provide a couple links at the bottom uh, of the podcast in case you're interested in any of the books that we've talked about. 
We hope you have a wonderful Saturday and we will talk to you next week.